Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Do you ever have trouble with your faith? It's true that many people do, many Christians even do. It's not that they have trouble with their faith because they have gotten to know life as it really is and they've become somewhat cynical or jaded. But on the other hand, it's actually because they know, we know, too little about God. Now, if you've been Christian for a long time, that might sound kind of strange to you. I know too little about God. I know quite a lot about God, you might be thinking. But it isn't really a different kind of faith that people need. What we need is a larger faith, a greater faith, a stronger faith in God and in all that he reveals to us about himself. That was the problem that we see in our gospel reading today about doubting Thomas, Thomas the twin. Now he had been with Jesus already together with the other disciples, following along with him, accompanying him for about three years, hearing Jesus uh, clear and powerful teaching about the truths of God's word, about the reality of our sinfulness and God's mercy and forgiveness through the Savior. We've seen Jesus' powerful miracles demonstrating that he is the Son of God. He is the Almighty God himself. He is the Savior that God had promised to send. But then Thomas wavered in his faith when the other disciples said to him, We have seen the Lord Jesus risen from the dead. We know clearly that he did die there on the cross. They took his dead body down from the cross, they buried it in the tomb, and there it lay for days. Thomas, unable to overcome his skepticism at something that is scientifically impossible, that goes against all the experience of all of humanity for thousands of years up to that point in time, Thomas wanted to see some proof, not just some eyewitness testimony from people that he had come to know well over a period of three years of living and traveling together every day, but he wanted to see it with his own eyes. He wanted to touch Jesus' body, and not just any body, but the body that bore the scars from the nails that pierced the hands, nailing him to the cross, and the spear that pierced his side, confirming that he was dead after he had given up his spirit on Good Friday. Thomas said, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger into the mark of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will never believe. Now, does that seem to you like quite a lot of requirements for faith? Yes, yes. Seems rather strange to make those requirements in order to believe in something. But then note what happened. God did not leave Thomas without that evidence that he was looking for. Eight days after Easter, Jesus appeared again to his disciples with Thomas now together with them. And again, Jesus' first words are words of calm, peace, and comfort. Peace be with you. He didn't immediately scold Thomas for his doubt and his skepticism. Peace be with you, he said. 
And then he challenged Thomas to that pragmatic test of actually putting his fingers into the scar wounds of the wounds that, that Jesus had suffered on the cross that day. Jesus confronts Thomas with the challenge. Do not continue to doubt, but believe. Perhaps you've seen a, a famous painting by the Baroque Italian master Caravaggio. It's entitled, The Incredulity of St. Thomas. And it depicts Thomas, guided by Jesus' hand, actually putting his finger directly into the cavity of the spear wound on Jesus' side. And although the Bible here doesn't tell us specifically that Thomas actually did put his fingers into the nail wounds on Jesus' hands and put his hand into that spear wound on Jesus' side, I personally like to imagine that Thomas took Jesus up on his offer, that he actually did put his finger there as Jesus invited him to do. That, in fact, perhaps even as Caravaggio depicted in that painting, that Jesus himself took hold of Thomas's hand and guided Thomas's finger into those wounds. But it could also be the, the other way, that Thomas didn't actually touch the scars, that upon seeing Jesus face to face, upon Jesus displaying those scars right before Thomas's eyes, he simply immediately confessed his faith, saying, my Lord and my God. Whichever way it happened, the compassionate Savior replied with words that apply both to Thomas then and to you and me here today and to every other believer in the resurrection throughout all of the centuries and millennia since it has happened. Jesus said to him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Listen to that challenge coming down from 2,000 years ago to you and me worshiping the risen Jesus in this place right now. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Thomas said, Unless I see, I will never believe. Do you feel like that sometimes? Maybe you don't say it quite like that. Do you feel like that sometimes? Lord, I'm so lonely. Unless you bring a special friend or a romantic interest into my life, I'm going to think that no one, not even you, cares about me anymore. Are you like me when you often feel, Lord, unless you show me the answer to my financial problems or my problems at school, the illness that confronts me, the future that threatens me, unless you come through for me, I'm really not going to believe in you anymore as my loving Heavenly Father. Are you like me when I'm tempted to doubt God's desire to be a personal daily reality in my life? Unless, 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 will not believe in you. But we can't make deals with God. Our relationship with God must be unconditional. God says to us, believe in me and I'll show you more than you ever dreamed could happen in your life. This is not the same as saying, 
Think positive and you will get ahead in your business or in your marriage. Rather, this is Jesus asking us to notice the, the people throughout his ministry on earth who had strong faith in him. Think about the Roman centurion with a sick servant. That he asked Jesus, you don't even have to come. Just say the word and I trust that you are able to heal him. The demon-possessed man. The woman with the problem of chronic bleeding who believed that just by touching Jesus' clothing, she would be healed. The paralyzed man. Many more. Jesus said to them, Your sins are forgiven. Take up your mat and go home. Your faith has saved you. And so I challenge you in your personal life. God is a God who doesn't make deals. He'll be hidden from you forever until you see him revealed in the person of his son, Jesus. Why in the world would you insist on knocking yourself out, pounding on his front door, when that door has already been opened for you through the gift of faith in Jesus as your Savior? That faith in Jesus brings us into a relationship with God that lasts forever. We're often faced with the question in life, why does God allow suffering? That's a question that many people throughout the history of the world, including many Christians, have wrestled with. We know that no matter what confronts us in life, because of Jesus' resurrection from the dead, we can say, God knows. God has a reason for permitting this to happen to me. Even if I don't know what that reason might be, I trust God's promise that he will work all things for my eternal salvation and for the salvation of many others. I trust him. That's enough for me. That is Jesus' challenge and his loving call to you and to me, just as it was to Thomas almost 2,000 years ago. Do not continue to doubt, but believe. But it's not easy for us. Because the life of faith leads to many conflicts that we must face in our daily lives. To walk by faith and not by sight in this day and age is to live a life that confronts real difficulties in our hearts and in the world around us. Everything that we see and read and hear is constantly attacking that life of faith in Jesus and in God's word. And that's not a new problem in the history of the world. Throughout the New Testament, we see repeated failures as far as the matter of faith is concerned. One example is that in 2 Timothy, the Apostle Paul wrote sadly about one of his temporary co-workers, Demas, because he loved this present world, has forsaken me. Now this Demas wasn't the first or the last who found the life of faith too hard to take, too demanding when compared with his own desires and needs. That's the challenge of Jesus to Thomas and to you and me today. Under the most trying of circumstances, do you have faith in me, Jesus asks. Some Christians, although they know the true God, are prone to waver and to fall when the first winds of adversity strike them. But for an encouraging example of faith, we can think about the great reformer, Martin Luther. 
He certainly had his struggles, his doubts and, and difficulties. Often he faltered when he came to the point of Scripture that says, God is good and that he is good to me because all he could think about in his mind was a picture of God as an angry, righteous judge who meets out judgment and punishment upon us sinful people. And he knew and deeply felt his own sinfulness. But then the Holy Spirit revealed to him the true meaning of God's word, the true meaning of the righteousness of God. But yes, God is a holy and righteous God who punishes sin. But that much more importantly for us, the righteousness of God is the righteousness that is transferred to us from Jesus through faith in him as our Savior, so that we now stand righteous and holy in God's sight through Jesus. Luther was wise enough, by God's grace, to take God at his word and to trust the Holy Spirit to give him that power of faith. He knew that it was God and God alone who saved him. And that's why he was a giant of faith. In the face of all of his foes, of, of all the authorities of the church of his day, and all the political authorities of the Holy Roman Empire, under the threat of execution, he cried out about the faithfulness to the word of God, saying, Here I stand. I cannot recant. I can do no other. We see that his greatest aid in that time of severe struggle and inner turmoil was the word of God itself. Luther wrote, the, the true Christian pilgrimage is not to Rome, but to the prophets, the Psalms, and the Gospels. That was his ground of certainty. That was the source of faith in Jesus. There, in the divinely inspired Holy Scriptures, he found a firm foundation for his faith and life. And so, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, make sure that you find your strength for this difficult life of faith in the unfailing source, the Bible, God's holy word. There in the Bible, you will meet Jesus face to face through the eyes of faith, through the hands of faith. You will be able to touch those Scars that he still bears in his glory, proving his victory over sin and death. And find this faith also in the sacrament of Holy Communion that he has blessed us with, where he comes to us with his own body and blood, with the assurance of the full forgiveness of all of our sins. And when we find him there, then, as we say in our prayer near the end of the service, we find the answer to that prayer. We pray that you will strengthen our faith in you and increase our love for one another. We know that in our lives it's very easy to become a doubting Thomas. The life of faith is very difficult. There are so many pressures around us tempting us not to live out that life of faith. There's also our own laziness, our selfish, self-centeredness. But Jesus says to you and me again today, are you willing to walk by faith and not by sight? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. By the power of the Holy Spirit, let me assure you again today, this faith is a gift from God to you through Jesus the Savior. Faith in Jesus saves you from sin and death 
and makes you a dearly loved child of God. Let Jesus work in you through faith in him. Let him break through your doubts, your self-sufficiency, and your despair, and let him say to you, blessed are you. You haven't found all the answers to all the questions that you have in your life and, and all the challenges that you face, but you still have believed in me. Blessed are you. So what will it be for you today? An artificial God of your own imagination to whom you pray, unless you come through for me this time, I'm not going to believe in you. Or by the power of the Holy Spirit working in your heart through God's word, a little more faith in the great God revealed in Jesus, who challenged Thomas and who confronts you again here today. Stop doubt and believe. Jesus can turn your life around. You may not have all the solutions to the problems that confront you, but you know that he is with you every step of the way. What an awesome God we have. He was willing to come down from on high and become one of us so that we can see what he's really like and learn to know him. Once you see that, you will feel that nothing, absolutely nothing, is too much for him to do by faith. Amen.